Today's episode of the Ramp It Up podcast contains explicit language and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener's discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Ramp It Up podcast with your host, Ronel Sinuis. Are you ready to ramp it up? Ramp it up, Ew. Hey, yo, ramp it up, B. Girl, ramp it up. Ramp it up. The Ramp It Up Podcast. Hey, you need to ramp it up. Ramp, ramp, ramp it up. Welcome back for another episode of The Ramp It Up Podcast. I am your host and your favorite Zawan Wheels, Ronell. We are at the end of January of 2023 already. It feels like just yesterday we were calling and texting and posting on social media. Happy New Year and uh, welcoming folks into the new year. And it's the end of the first month already. Um, hopefully... You are already well into your New Year's resolutions or from our last episode, we talked about three things that you can do to better yourself for 2023. Hopefully you've thought of those three things. I had a few folks share them in our email. So uh, not only have you thought of them, but you are well into putting them into practice. There is no time like the present to do so because clearly... The year is not waiting for us. February is just a couple days away. I know some of us are waiting for our W-2s to come in the mail to get ready to file our taxes. Uh, Though many of us who are on disability or receive assistance do not necessarily file. But if you got your W-2s, look out. Holler at the mailman or if you get it uh, digitally, make sure to file those taxes. Uh, For today's episode, I had... A whole other topic planned, but I'm going to deviate. I'm going to deviate because I'm going to go on, I won't call it a rant, but uh, I'm going to talk about a very important topic to those of us in the disability slash wheelchair user uh, community. Transportation. Not just transportation, but accessible transportation. I live in sunny Miami, Florida, and... You would think a large metropolitan area like this, accessible transportation should not be an issue, but you are wrong. But I'm not going to just specify ground transportation. We're going to talk about accessible ground, air transportation, train, so whatever it is, we want to talk about accessible transportation. Our current U.S. Department of Transportation Secretary, Pete Buttigieg, he is always championing or speaking of championing for accessible transportation, uh, last year for the 32nd anniversary of the ADA, he spoke about making airlines more accessible. So uh, we're going to talk a bit about that because I saw a post on Instagram that kind of irked me, and I had a recent experience with transportation as well that kind of just brought it to the forefront of my mind. So, so we're going to talk about some of the experiences I have had with uh, transportation, Of course, I want to hear from you guys as well. I'll be posting our Instagram so you can comment there. But I guess I'll give our question of the day a little early instead of at the end of the episode. 
the question will be, what was your best or worst? I don't want to just stay on the negative. So what was your best or worst experience with accessible transportation? Now, just to kind of, again, give an overview, we're talking about the public transportation, whether you take bus, train, subway, the metro rail to work, um, whether you're taking paratransit, which is some of the wheelchair accessible vans or buses that come directly to your home and take you directly to your destination, uh, whether you fly, uh, whether you take Amtrak for long distance trains, I, I want to know. Um, you could post it on our Instagram after I put the post there and asking the question. Uh, if you're not following us, remember our Instagram is ramp dot it dot up dot podcast ramp it up podcast on instagram you can also find us on facebook where you can answer the question as well just look for the ramp it up podcast on facebook email us at ramp it up podcast at gmail.com i've gotten a couple emails i'm getting around to answering everyone i appreciate it i really want to keep in touch with everyone this year ramp it up podcast at gmail.com also if you're not doing so already follow us Subscribe and rate the podcast. We're on all major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're on it. Last season, we started on YouTube. We started posting our episodes on YouTube, so you can find us on YouTube. Just search for the Ramp It Up podcast page. I promise we'll have more videos along with the episodes. I think that's about it. So again, I'm going to repeat the question. What? is or has been your worst or best tra accessible transportation story. I want to know. Don't care how long your story is, uh, how short. Please send us in your stories. So what prompted uh, today's topic in my email? As you all know, I'm a volunteer for the United Spinal Association, and they have the New Mobility magazine, which is associated with the United Spinal and um, they put out another article just talking about individuals who've had bad experiences flying using the, as wheelchair users. Um, I spoke vehemently about it back in December about my experience flying to Houston, Texas, which was my first flight since my injury back in December of 2016. Thankfully, I cannot complain in comparison to many others who've had very bad experiences in the air my wheelchair was not damaged but i'm going to be honest it was nowhere close to a very smooth experience again i commend all of the staff from the united airlines who were extremely helpful and extremely kind and understanding but there needs to be a lot done and i'm not just talking about through that individual company through their policies and procedures but Federally, there needs to be more legislation to make the experience not more comfortable, not more relaxing, but safer. Safe is the key word for not only the passenger, myself as a wheelchair user, but for the staff who are assisting us. So I saw the, the article and alongside it, there was just another, while scrolling through, I guess, the, the Instagram reels, uh, I saw a reel of a woman sharing her experience as a wheelchair user where the airline did not have an aisle chair and she needed to use the restroom during uh, the flight. And she literally had to sit on the floor. I believe she's a para, so she was able to use her upper arm, but she sat up and had to drag herself up and down the aisle to go to the restroom and return to her seat. Not only is that physically dangerous, 
Uh, but that's demeaning and demoralizing. And as a, a person, I have my dignity. And for her to have been forced to do so is is ridiculous, in my opinion. And I'm sure she's not the only one who's had that experience. But like I said, that kind of sparked me into wanting to go into this topic today. So we're going to kind of break it down just a little bit. Um, we're going to speak first and foremost about um, the experiences with ground transportation and you know public and paratransit. And then we're going to get into a bit of Pete Buttigieg and what he spoke about leading into airline um, transportation and making it more accessible. So first and foremost, I do want to say that I'm, I'm I'm blessed and we are fortunate here again in South Florida to have public transportation. I know a lot of other areas that are more rural or more suburban don't necessarily have a wide reaching public transportation service. And Florida is one of those places, if you don't have a car, you are in trouble because it's a very busy place. You have to get around and public transportation. I, I've ridden public transportation the majority of my life. Uh, so it gets you where you need to go. So I'm, I'm thankful that it's available. I'm thankful to have the resources to use them. And I'm also very thankful that our government provides the services. That does not mean there doesn't need to be improvements or a change to the service. I live right on the border of two counties, although Dade County 305 Miami is what I represent, but I'm right here by my uh, Broward County. So I'm fortunate enough to be approved to use both the Dade and Broward County paratransit services and I could use both the public services. Uh, they're literally about a block or so from my home. So if I need to take the local Metro bus, I can do so. It's just a, a ride up the block where I could take both Broward or Dade County buses to get to where I need to go. But usually because you have to transfer from one bus to another, it's more efficient and a lot safer for me to just use the paratransit services that come to my door and bring me to where I'm going. Brief overview of those services. You have to apply with your particular county, pretty much prove your disability and why you are unable to uh, safely and regularly use other modes of transportation, which is my power wheelchair and the fact that I have to have a caregiver with me in most of those instances, which makes me eligible for those services. And uh, they choose whether they will charge you the full rate or reduced rate or if you get complimentary services. The rule for setting up a ride is you have to call 24 hours ahead of your scheduled departure. And it has to be before 5 p.m. of that business or that day because you can also do so on the weekend. So, for example, I have a doctor's appointment Monday, 9 a.m. I have to call transportation at the very least the Sunday before, before 5 p.m. By 5 p.m., they lock in all of the reservations for the following day. So I call in and let them know. Now in preparation for your route, you want to give the most two hours, minimum 30 minutes to an hour for your ride to pick you up because of course they're picking up other passengers. Um, they could be late and of course the distance of your ride, etc. So for that nine o'clock appointment, odds are I'd be setting up for seven or eight o'clock depending on how far it is from my home. That is best case scenario. The ride gets to your house. They have about a 30 minute window. Uh, otherwise they're late. What happens when they're late? Nothing. You, you still pay for the ride. 
At most, you can call the office and ask them to do a GPS check. But okay, that's essentially it. You have about five minutes for when they pull up to where you are to get into the vehicle. Basics of paratransit. Again, I'm very blessed and fortunate to have the resource because many others do not. Here is the hard point of this, and I, I just want to make it clear. First and foremost, in Dade and Broward County, there's a bit of a monopoly on the paratransit. It's one company that provides the service and is contracted with the counties. So they essentially do what they want. They, from what I know from speaking to a lot of the drivers, their pay rate is much lower than if you were to work directly for the city or for the school, if you were driving for them or for a private service. So there's a lot of turnaround when it comes to drivers. A lot of the old school drivers who've been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years, who've, uh, who have the right skills and the patience and you know just know how to deal with their riders tend to not stay. Secondly, the vehicles tend to fall apart quickly. Now I know it's city budget and it takes time to raise the money to change out a whole fleet of vehicles, but I've been in many vehicles that were either bug ridden, and I'm talking about roaches, all over the bus, like, yo, don't let that get on my wheelchair to infest my home, like roaches everywhere, or the air conditioning doesn't work. For those of you who don't live in South Florida, you cannot really survive without air conditioning. It's it's a part of life, like budget for having your AC in the home and for maintenance. So having a vehicle without air conditioning, imagine being in the back of a van in about 90 degree weather with about three or four other passengers windows don't go down it's hard to breathe i've literally almost passed out in those situations and the driver will tell you hey you know they've reported and asked them to get the vehicle fixed to get the air conditioning repaired and it's not happening also i've been on vehicles where the equipment doesn't work the vehicles are so old that the lift either gets stuck or it doesn't come down at all or when you're trying to get off of it, it doesn't go all the way down so there's kind of like a little jump, like a little mini ramp for you to jump off of with your chair. And yeah, clearly that's not safe coming down or up. Or the driver has to use the manual crank versus the electronic one. Or you're on it and you feel like it's tilting to one side or another. These are all things that I feel should be better regulated. I know a lot of these vehicles, they do get inspected. But how often are they being inspected? Are they truly safe enough for the passengers? And lastly, the time frame that these vehicles operate on. Again, I tip my hat to these drivers. A lot of them are working 12-hour shifts. They don't get breaks. They're up and down all over. I can't even just say the city, the county, driving for hours. It's a lot of work. And not only that, but, you know, helping the wheelchair users push in and out of the vehicle. You know, it's a lot of manipulating. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of physical labor. There needs to be either better routes created or more drivers added to the street because at times, or I would say the worst route I've ever had kept me in the vehicle for four hours. I was coming back from physical therapy, tired, already, you know, sore from the exercises. And again, I understand the distance from my therapy. 
to my home. I live right on the edge of the following county. In a vehicle, just a car driving straight, is about a 20 to 30 minute ride, depending on traffic, of course. If there are other passengers in the vehicle and having to drive them off, it could be anywhere between one hour to two hours. That day, because the route was so ridiculous and the van was full of passengers, what I mean full, there were about five wheelchair users. Most of those vans are rated for three, no more than four wheelchairs. One of the passengers was literally strapped in facing backwards. Another one was sideways. And I don't blame the driver because he has a time frame in which he needs to pick up and drop everyone off or he gets in trouble for running late. He could be docked pay or fired or lose hours. But it took me four hours to get from one part of Miami to the next. I called. I used some very unhappy language with the folks in the office explaining to them why it was ridiculous that it took me four hours to get to my home and what became of it nothing so there needs to be a lot of change when it comes to the paratransit system i've used the public system it's fairly well regulated my only complaint is most of the buses are only equipped to allow two wheelchair users on at a time uh, because you have to lift up certain benches in the front of the vehicle. But at the very least, they have all the ones I've been on at least have had working ramps. The problem is not all drivers are really trained how to properly strap you in. And the sidewalks, most people don't think sidewalks have anything to do with transportation. But if there aren't proper curb cuts or if there's a light pole right at the bus stop where you should be able to get on or if the sidewalk itself is too narrow for you to access the actual bus stop, you can't get in and out of the bus. But my biggest beef is with paratransit. Now, the pro and again, I don't want to be all negative. The pro I will say for uh, Dade County, when you are approved and eligible for the uh, paratransit, you also receive free transportation for the public or at least the Miami-Dade public transportation services. So if you're taking the Metro Rail, uh, I believe Amtrak, and of course the Metro Bus, you and one companion, your caregiver, or if you're riding with a family member, both have a free fare. So you're not paying the actual fare. For the paratransit, um, I personally have to pay for myself. And I'm allowed one free passenger, my caregiver. And then if I would have any additional um, people, they also have to pay the full fare. Others, again, have a free fare. So it depends on different factors, your income, your, your disabilities, et cetera, et cetera. Why is this all important? These are all either obstacles or ways for people to get to either doctor's appointments to educational institutions, or to work. If I get a job and they expect me to be at the office at 10 a.m. every morning and transportation is regularly late, I'm not going to have that job very long. And no one expects the boss, your manager, your supervisor to understand you're late on a daily basis. Or sometimes your bus just doesn't come to pick you up. Many employers do understand these circumstances and can work with you and make you know the schedule a bit more flexible, but 
the majority of them do not. Just like every other employee, they expect you to be there on time for your shift and, uh, you know, do the entire shift. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. Well, avoid paratransit and public transportation as a whole. Get yourself your own vehicle. Yeah, it's not that easy, especially when wheelchair accessible vehicles cost upwards to $50,000. I ain't got that lying around. Not only that, but... Um, some wheelchair users physically cannot drive, like myself. I do not have the arm strength nor the dexterity to uh, drive my own vehicle, and others just don't feel safe doing so. So just like each and every other citizen, we should have access to accessible transportation so we can get to where we're going and live our lives as efficiently and as full as everyone else does. Now, air transportation. I know myself and many others have been reluctant to travel. Even though I enjoyed travel prior to my injury, I enjoyed vacationing, I enjoyed visiting family members, but we've all heard horror stories about traveling in the air. If not for your chair being damaged or lost, for individuals who've been dropped during the transfer process. I remember explaining that in the December Houston We Have Liftoff episode when I was explaining the process. Essentially, you are transferred from your own physical wheelchair to the aisle chair provided by the airline, from the aisle chair to your seat, and then when you land, everything in reverse, from your seat to the aisle chair, from the aisle chair to your wheelchair. Sounds simple enough, but to be honest, it's not always that simple, especially if you're a big guy like myself, 6'1", 270. It's not the easiest to physically transfer me without the help of a Hoyer lift or a sliding board or people who were trained to physically transfer you. It is physically uncomfortable for me and for the staff. That being said, I mentioned before Pete Budicic, our U.S. Department of Transportation Secretary has been championing for some time for accessible transportation. In fact, I was on YouTube and I came across it was a video put on by the Paralyzed Veterans of America during a press conference that Pete Budicic was putting on. I just want to share a clip of his speech and um, what he spoke about when it comes to making air travel more accessible for wheelchair users. Earlier this year, I met with Charles Brown, a Marine Corps veteran, and the president of Paralyzed Veterans of America. He shared the story of how poorly trained airline employees once dropped him onto the jet bridge while removing him from his wheelchair during boarding, breaking his tailbone and causing an infection that he barely survived. And practically everyone who uses a wheelchair and flies, including colleagues of mine here at the DOT, has a troubling story about an airline experience. Many have far more than one. No other form of transportation, trains, buses, boats, forces you to give up your mobility device when you board. And the same ought to be true of airlines. So in the months and years ahead, we plan to work toward a new rule that will allow passengers to stay in their personal wheelchairs when they fly. We know this won't happen overnight, but it is a goal that we have to work to fulfill. So in this clip, Pete Budicic is uh, recounting a story that he received from a Marine Corps veteran who talks about an op uh, a time where he was dropped 
during a transfer into an aisle chair. And that is not a singular story. In fact, the CEO of the United Spinal, Enzo, we call him Enzo, but his name is Vincenzo Piscopo. He has a story last year of one he was dropped during a transfer. And there are many others, other disability advocates and regular folks each and every day whose stories may not make it to the news or to be shared on YouTube by, you know, the U.S. Department of Transportation secretary. People are suffering on regular bases. And what they don't realize is these injuries that can be sustained during these falls can be life-threatening and sometimes are. And when these uh, individuals break chairs, it's like someone literally breaking your legs and dropping you off at the gate telling you, all right, well, make it happen. Enjoy your trip. Well, what are you going to do? That is a literal comparison. If someone breaks my chair and breaks your legs, how are we going to get around? We are now stuck. I've read articles of individuals spending their entire vacation laying out in the hotel room because their chair was lost or broken. A few days ago, Steve Wright, a writer and disability advocate in his own right, also had the opportunity to speak with Secretary Pete Buttigieg about his plans to make transit more accessible. And not only is he referring to air transit, but the sidewalks, the elevators leading to the bus stops and to the tri-rails or the subways and getting federal grants to assist in doing so. There have been many times I've tried to cross the street to get to the bus and either the road was obstructed by construction or a sidewalk being destroyed or just trying to go to the park, but I couldn't do so because the sidewalk ended and there was no curb cut for me to get down. So you have to now go around the entire block. All of these things fall under the purview of the Department of Transportation. Well, in uh, the article, Pete Buttigieg spoke about the All Stations Accessibility Program, which is being granted $1.7 billion in an attempt to improve the areas that have been either too old or not retrofitted with accessibility uh, around subways, tri-rails, and bus stations. Question that Wright asked Secretary, he says, what are your overall thoughts on the U.S. Department of Transportation's role in removing barriers and creating inclusion for people with disabilities. Pete Buttigieg answered, one of the most basic things you need in order to thrive is the ability to get to where you need to be. That is everything from educational opportunity to healthcare to a job. There are gaps for everybody in our transportation system, but most people can more or less assume that there's at least one way to get to where they need to go. That's not always true for Americans with disabilities, and that's particularly something we see for wheelchair users. Now, I just wanted to share a quick snippet of uh, the article, but I will put a link where you guys could uh, read it to your full content. It's actually a really good article. I had the chance to sit down as well with uh, Steve Wright. So he's a great writer, and uh, he's done a lot for disability advocacy himself. So definitely in the notes, I will have not only the full video from the Paralyzed Veterans of America, and I'll also have the full article for Steve Wright. So just to kind of wrap it up, the, the whole point of uh, today's, I guess, rant again is transportation should be accessible to all. A lot of the verbiage from the ADA uses words like accessibility or minimum requirements, but we deserve more than the minimum. Whether we're just using uh, the transportation to get to work, to go to the grocery store, to go visit our loved ones, to go to the gym, 
whatever each and every person chooses to do on a regular basis. We deserve to have accessible transportation. Outside of Pete Buttigieg, there are many organizations that are fighting for regular, accessible, fully, truly accessible transportation. And if you're not a current wheelchair user, I just want to kind of appeal to your senses because at any time you can become disabled as well. No, I'm not wishing the worst on you, but imagine if you break your leg. Unfortunately, some of us go to the gym, we play sports, you might slip and fall, break your leg, and you still have to go to work or you have to find a way to get to your doctor's appointment. If there was an accessible seating on the bus, how would you get there? Or you might want to take grandmother on a vacation to go see family and she has to use a wheelchair to get onto the plane. If they don't improve the process to transfer someone, how would you feel if they dropped grandma on the floor? This affects all of us. At some point or another, it is said that everyone will develop some form of disability. Do you want to wait until it is your turn to advocate for accessible transportation or should we do so now? I know there are organizations such as All Wheels Up and United Spinal Association that is also calling for people to share their experiences. Uh, so when they go to Capitol Hill and they go ahead and lobby for these other policies to make the airlines find a way to allow us to remain in our own seats during these flights, they want to know some of your stories. Uh, I'm gonna wrap up just by asking you again, I'm gonna repeat the question of the day. What has been your most positive or negative, your best or worst accessible transportation story? Whether you are getting on the bus, whether you're just going down the block, was your sidewalk obstructed? Were you trying to get on a plane and your chair was damaged or you were unfortunately aggressively jostled during the transportation? I want to know not to disparage the individuals who are working hard each and every day to provide us transportation or not even to talk down on our system or our elected officials who are fighting for us daily, but to show them that individuals like us deserve safe and accessible transportation to go about our daily activities. Check the episode notes. I'll put a link to the YouTube video um, and a couple articles that talk about individuals experiences flying or non-accessible transportation and also a link to the ada explaining their policies on accessible transportation until next time everyone have a good day thanks for tuning in to the show connect with the podcast on social media check out our instagram page at ramp.it.up.podcast or email us at wrapituppodcast at gmail.com. Until next time.